Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins. For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway, timberliving.ie. To something else now, I'm joined now by Dr. Tara Porter and Tara is a clinical psychologist and she's the author of You Don't Understand Me, The Young Woman's Guide to Life. Good afternoon, Tara. Good afternoon, Brendan. So Tara, there were reports uh, here in Ireland this week about, I quote, astronomical numbers of young people being treated for self-harm in children's hospitals in Ireland. And I know you've been working in this area for a long time, but I thought maybe we look at the at the general picture for young people first. So in general, is this generation more prone to anxiety, sadness, mental health issues than previous generations? Yeah, I think this generation is suffering a lot more than um, previous generations. I think we're hearing about it more, partly because young people are more able to talk about it. There's a vocabulary out there for young people to talk about their mental health, but I do think there's more... I think that vocabulary has developed because there's more young people suffering um, from from mental health problems, yeah. And I, I guess I see that that the young people nowadays are under they have many more opportunities than we had perhaps a generation ago but that puts them under many more gives them many more expectations on them and they're really feeling those expectations the sense of a global economy a global competition the internet social media through the education system through the way we parent these days all of these things i think are putting young people under a a lot of pressure and a lot of them are struggling with that pressure Okay, so the word parents jumped over me there. How how are we as parents responsible for some of this pressure? Well, you know, I don't want to blame any parents no. or get into being negative about parents. I mean, I guess I, I what I see is as a society, we've become very... Um, we seem to be swept up in, in competition and comparison, you know, and I see that in the education system. I see that in the way we talk about... Um, about, about doing our best for our children and and giving them you know all these opportunities but that can really tip over into having expectations on kids to perform you know I I talk in my book about an output model of of parenting where um, where we can tend to fall into feeling that that our kids are under lots of pressure and we want them to do well uh, and we're knowing that it's harder to get into university harder to get a good job knowing that um, our kids are going to be competing against a whole world of kids that, that, that unwittingly can sound like pressure to young people. So I think yeah. things like that, really. That, that So I don't see it as, you know, one 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 section of society is at fault. I just no, think no of course, whole, of course, yeah, of course. But whole... it was, yeah, how, but, but, but maybe um, it could be useful to, to just talk for a minute about how parents could maybe, maybe try not to contribute to that pressure like I noticed for example that with all that stuff going on you will notice now a a lot of mothers might say to their kids well look just do your best and they think that they're kind of absolving them of the competition then but I know you think that that's that can put a bit of pressure on as well yeah well, I think doing your best was something that was said to us a lot in our in our day, perhaps a, a generation before, and it, it seems like a really neutral phrase mm. on on the on, on first observation. But I guess what's happened over time is the definition of what is the best has changed. You know, so in my day, that if you got you know a, a couple of A's and a few B's in your in your exams, you, that was thought of as good enough you know um if you were going out of an evening and you you put a bit of mascara on your 
eyelashes that was sort of as being made up you know the, the so the, but the standards of the, that has changed so yeah. lots of young people have much higher expectations what exam results are universities have higher entrance requirements what what we see you know what our young people are subject to in terms of what is uh you know made up or going out or looks glamorous these days is entirely different because of the number of images that they're exposed to through social media through the regular media so all of those sort of standards have changed and i i, I guess I, there's this idea that there's one best and that yeah. everyone's chasing it and um and i often see young people in my clinic who've you know followed the path you know got all the top grades and gone to the you know the so-called best universities but it wasn't the right path for them you know it was the wrong path for them actually they would have been happy doing something else but there's um they've fallen into the trap of feeling that there's a, a best and they yeah. should go for that so I, I you know we all say it to our kids oh just do your best but i guess what i'm on a, as a whole I, I want kids to find the right path what's right for them um and yeah. not to be sort of swayed by these kind of images on and these ideas about their being our best yeah and look i leave the parents alone after this but when <laughs> you say all that it does make me think have we way too invested in our children these days as a generation of parents in a way that maybe our parents maybe they didn't live through us and our achievements as much as some parents do now I think that's right. I think that's right. I mean, I talk again in my book about, you know, the sort of benign neglect, which was a very popular yeah. <laughs> way of parenting in the 70s. And um, I, and I think it's good to have parents more involved, but you can get into a sort of arms race, really, where parents, um, you know, they get more involved and they think perhaps their kid needs a tutor and then the tutors start younger and younger. And, and I'm seeing that over time, that there's a sort of a definition of what's, what sort of involvement is needed and I think particularly as kids get to the teenage years that can make it really difficult to separate and individuate um, as, a, as a young person yeah. to become your own young person if you're if if parents and, and kids get into a quite um, I don't know meshed relationship where the parent is is over interested or micromanaging every detail of, of their child's so life. The parents so, maybe need another project that is not their children. Is yeah, by the I think so. Things. I mean, yeah. and I th you know, I understand it because I see it everywhere that you know parents are trying to do the best for their kids. They want them to have to have happy lives um, and we get swept up. It's a kind of zeitgeist of the time. I I think that 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 is the. The, the model we've been sold i mean when you look when you look at the um like the toy catalogs you know there's hardly a toy advertised now which isn't got educational on it there's this idea that we should be improving um improving all the time that the that we should be um kind of doing parenting in a sort of active um project based <laughs> way rather yes. than just being a parent in a relationship with the with your child so i guess it's you know i think most parents are coming from a good place they, and, and we just need to check ourselves that we're not, you know, we're not sort of falling over that line, I guess. I see this line between op giving your kids opportunities and putting expectations on your kids. And I think it's okay. just there's a tipping point somewhere between those. And you've just got to be really careful as a parent that you're you're the right side of that line. OK, a, a lot of the stuff you mentioned there, that social media and like, you know, the makeup needing to be perfect these days and everything. Is it is it? Is it stereotyped to think that it's a bit harder for girls these days and there is more, there's a bit more of that conscientious perfectionism bred into girls than there is to boys, is there? Yeah, that, that's right, Brendan. I mean, all the statistics, when you nail down in 
to the statistics about the sort of mental health crisis, and you, if you look at the numbers, it tends to be more girls showing up in in CAMS, um, in child and adolescent mental health services. That is, and also, you know, with self harm. Um, so girls seem to be particularly struggling. And I guess what we've known about girls' psychology on average, as a sort of stereotype compared to boys' psychology, is that girls tend to internalise difficulties more than boys. They tend to take it in. and they, So when we think about what we've just been talking about, about expectations, girls do tend to take that those expectations to heart and they and then they judge themselves harshly against them. And I think that's quite a lot of what the mental health problems I see in girls at the moment are. Is, is their social environment slightly more complicated than for boys as well? Yeah, I mean, girls tend to have a in their social relationships, and again, this is you know just on average, they tend to make social relationships which are based on um, sharing um, mental space with other girls. They you know talking, thinking, being with the girls. I was at a school yesterday, and it was a girls' school, and there was a boys' school next door. And one of the teachers reflected that when you look in the playground from a talk from the top of the school. You see at play at, at in in the break time the girls in the girls' school are all sitting talking and the boys are act, uh, doing stuff they're playing football and stuff like that mm. and I guess that's a, an example of how boys tend to externalize they tend to act um, rather than take feelings internally um, and that seems to be a, a, a better way in a, in, a, in a sense though having said that you know if we look in youth offending teams boys are overrepresented. Um, in those sorts of systems. So I'm not yeah. saying that boys aren't suffering. They're gotcha. just kind of suffering in a different way, I think. Okay. Now, look, um, I, I should just say to people now, just as, as a benign warning, that we are going to talk a little bit about... Um, about the outworking of some of these problems through self-harm and, and eating disorders and stuff. So if that's triggering for anybody, they might want to just um, t- turn it down now. Um, so self-harm first is... Is that a symptom of of all this malaise we've been talking about? Absolutely, you're absolutely right. the The word is symptom. It's uh, um, so y- you know self harm is very alarming for parents. It's very distressing. Um, but I think what we've got to think about is what is it a symptom of? And often it's a symptom of very very strong emotions, and very very often for girls it's that feeling of not being good enough, not being clever enough, not being kind enough, not being successful enough, not being pretty enough, not being thin enough, all of those sorts of not enough feelings that um, and and the the moment just feels unbearable and they need to do something with those feelings, these really, really strong feelings and they don't know what to do. And is it more, is it more, sorry, sorry, is it more common now, Tara? Because I'm thinking when I was young, it was a very, very other, very extreme thing if you heard about anyone doing it but has it become a bit more normalized in in this generation it has become much more normalized in western countries yes it's become you know you know figures vary in different countries but you you know it's become from a a very niche kind of worrying behavior where we thought it was a sort of um uh, almost a pre-suicidal behavior sort of generation ago when i was seeing young people but um to have you know, really common behaviour. You know, some statistics are showing that up to twenty percent of young people in some of the Western countries uh, are experimenting with self harm, which is just awful and shocking. Yeah. But I do think it's just a reflection of how much malaise there is, how much distress there is, how okay. much how much our young people are suffering. 
And look, I don't I don't want to say we shouldn't be talking about things. And, you know, we do talk a lot now about mental illness, which is a good thing. But is there a danger? Is there a danger that we're leading them down a certain path here by, I don't know, overstating or, or kind of um, labelling the normal difficulties of growing up so that then these kids start thinking there's something wrong with me and then they go down a path like this? I, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, talking to kids in clinic and, you know, working in the National Health Service for a long time over here, you know, I don't think so. I think um, we're giving them an emotional vocabulary to express what's going on for them. I do genuinely believe the distress and the pressure on them is just so much stronger and higher yeah. than it was a, a, a generation ago. And, and what... Um, I mean, just things like, um, you know, when you think about kids sitting exams or, or how hard they work in school. And I, when I used to see kids who, you know, I would say were perfectionists and they would um, be very anxious about their exam results and work incredibly hard, there's, there's a sense of the arms race of that, 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 that they were working perhaps, I don't know, 10 hours a day and then they... The next ten years later, they're working twelve hours a day. This, yeah. is, this just seems to be more and more pressure. That, that we seem to have reached this point where uh, a sort of peak of pressure on them, and they, they're they're terribly terribly distressed. Wow. So, are eating disorders a similar or related kind of issue to self harm then in this jigsaw? Absolutely. I mean, again, I would use the you know. It's a, a bit of a simplification, but you know, it's a symptom of the distress, the eating disorder. Again, young people having these sort of unbearable feelings, they're feeling they're not good enough, feeling that they're not pretty enough, or you know, and then it's easy, you know, in our in our current society, where it's sort of a besogenic society where we we really um, idolize thinness, you know, to think that losing weight is the answer to that distress and, we do seem to feel that the culture is healthier these days in terms of about body shape and and more diversity and everything i think there is that um subgroup out there and i love that there is that um there are people talking about body diversity and body neutrality and i see a lot of young people on social media sending out that message but Still, you know, most of the TV shows, uh, the mainstream advertising, so much of um, stuff on TikTok and Instagram is very um, stereotypical, very slim um, bodies that still sort of idolized, I think. Um, we've got a way to go. I see that that is changing and there is um, there is more, but... Um, I still think that young people are picking up a lot of ideas that they should be thin. And I think the thing about stopping eating, um, if you're feeling, if, you, if a young person has a huge amount of distress in them for whatever reasons, for whatever we've talked about, all the different reasons that they might have that distress, and then they, they stop eating, it becomes an obsession and they can they stop thinking about all the other problems and they just think about the dieting and weighing the food and all of that sort of thing and so it becomes a solution to the problem of feeling distressed and in your and your feelings are kind of numb when you're not eating enough because your body goes into a sort of emergency state where it's just thinking about food and um and and you're not thinking about how awful you feel so it it can be a very pernicious cycle with an eating disorder people can get really really stuck in that 
And again, numbers of young people suffering with eating disorders has gone up hugely, hugely over the last few years. Um, in terms of the general background um, noise about around food and body and everything, you do say that parents can kind of be without meaning to sending kind of subtle signals or creating a, a, a way of thinking. Explain to me about body neutrality, will you? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, this is um, something that's sort of changed over uh, over a generation because um, young people now are subject to so many more thousands of images than we were in a generation ago. They're much more aware of how they're meant to look, and I sort of referred to that at the start. The, the standards of what is beauty or what, what is expected of a young woman is, is, you know, just increased so much in a generation. Um, and so therefore, I think as parents, we do need to be more careful about the messages we're giving about food and um, eating and weight and shape. Um, and, you know, it's very easy to, you know, I think mothers particularly can be, can really fall into, you, you know, being critical about their own body, um, judging their own uh, eating, um We've, we've been sold that for generations. Um, I saw something on the internet the other day and it was about how, um, do you remember the Bridget Jones films with Manny mm. Zellweger and, and how a generation of women, would, you know, she was referred to as sort of chubby or, or, or something in those films. And when you yeah. look at her, she's just, you know, beautiful young woman and not remotely a chubby, a chubby and, you know, slimmer than probably the majority of of, of of the population and yet we're sold that idea that that is uh overweight in some way and and so i think you know as as parents we just need to be really careful about um demonstrating balance in our eating that uh, we want to eat a wide range of foods that no foods are good or bad that um that we can eat every um, all different types of food and being positive about our own looks and the way and, and the way our, our bodies are and if we can't manage positive just try and be neutral okay. so one of the things I'm challenging myself to do is to not say every time I look at a photo of myself oh my god I look dreadful in that photo <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I, yeah. I try and say when I look at a photo oh, we were really happy that day, weren't we? Or, God, that was such fun. Or okay. we had such a wonderful time, such a good memory. Because um, that's what's really important, isn't it? It's not really about ugh, the, the micro details of how we look. So, of yeah, course, I think parents yeah. can try, given that their, their kids are under so much pressure, under social media, um, the bombardment of perfect bodies and and there's really is strong evidence showing that that bombardment impacts on people's sense of their own body satisfaction um to, you, to you also say don't don't um praise our children for how they look because w when you become aware of that you then realize that everyone does comment on children and their how tall or not they are or how, how grown up they look or how you know how they, you look lovely and all that kind of thing it's really hard like when you um you just fall into it so naturally oh you're such a pretty little girl what a pretty little girl you know and, th and that pretty little girl kind of good girl message that um you know that we give it, it has turned into quite something i think quite toxic over the last generation in terms of what that means and 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 i think that is one of the contributive factors to um 
that that kind of idea of being a, a, a good pretty girl um, that contributes towards some of these mental health difficulties that we're seeing, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but it's very hard not to do, and I I find myself doing it as well. Um, but just to try and focus on other aspects of, of personality and um, and happiness and you know those sorts of things instead was kind of better, really. Yeah. How do you help kids in distress who come to you? Um, well, what I'm trying to help them do is I'm help, trying to help them become emotionally competent, and I talk about that in my in my book. So I'm trying to help them listen to their feelings, but also make a sort of separation between... Um, in psychology, we often make a separation between an, an emotional mind where you where you have all your feelings and then a rational mind where you, you weigh up um, situation in a in a more logical and reasonable way, and where these where these two minds overlap is kind of like our wise mind. So, I'm trying to help young people not be dominated by their feelings, to to listen to them, their important data about what might be going on, but also to combine that with um, uh, with reality, and and then trying to help them find. Um, more constructive ways really to deal with their feelings so we know lots of stuff that is good for mental health like you know talking about your feelings can be really positive for mental health but also getting enough sleep is really positive for mental health spending time with people in real life all of this different stuff so when I'm working with young people that's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to help them find a different a different framework for managing these strong emotions you know whether they're coming to me with self-harm or with an eating disorder it's the the feelings that we have to you, you know try and manage really yeah balance is is a big thing with you isn't it oh balance is a big thing yeah i nearly called the book balance but the the publisher liked you don't understand me more so um yeah balance is a, a big thing it is about trying to find that emotional balance and find a balance in your life where you can get you get your work done but not be obsessed with it you can you know exercise and and uh, manage your appearance in a way but not be obsessed with it that's balance is really important in mental health there's a text here from a psychotherapist and counselor she said i was in the shops last week i heard a young girl i'd say no more than seven saying mom i'm very anxious about going to another girl's house on friday everything she's saying is correct but we need to give our young people the tools to cope and watch the narrative i wonder where the words i'm concerned and i'm worried have gone and i suppose it it, it is like they do need to understand that uh there is a certain amount of distress is a normal part of life as well yeah, that that does make me think about the pandemic, and I'm seeing lots of young people at the moment who kind of got out of the habit of going to friends' houses for sleepovers, or going on school trips, yeah. or even going to school at all. Um, and the slightly anxious ones, or the the ones who had um, social problems before the pandemic, who were perhaps a little bit shy or not confident, really after the pandemic have struggled a lot. I think with with that sort of thing. But you're right, you know, um, sometimes the young people do use the word anxious where actually, or I'm a bit worried might be a better word, but it's, and that can be a kind of, can act as a kind of spiralling up of the emotions and just trying to talk about it in, in a little bit more, I don't know, scaled down language or, you know, turning down the volume on the language yeah. really, you know, in the sense yeah. from talking about worried rather than anxious is less emotive in a sense. But um, I think it's good when young people are talking about it, but we just yeah. have to be careful that, you know, but that's, that's, that's a process. Talking about your feelings is, is, is 
it's difficult, isn't it? And getting the right feeling word out and knowing what they all mean differently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, someone pointed out eating disorders can be more about control than wanting to be thin. And we know that. And I think you that's what you were alluding to um, when you were talking about um, about it being a mechanism for kind of blocking everything else out and having this one project. Um Brendan, I feel there's a lot of blame on parents. We seem to be creating a generation of kids who get off the hook for their own mistakes. All right, fair enough. As a parent of three teenage girls, this texter says, I strongly agree with your guest about parenting styles. For me, it boils down to the fact that parent changed from a noun to a verb. There's no let up from the drive and pressure to succeed and compete as parents today. And that's from Sheila in Dublin. So I suppose I, we, I think again, parents have to be aware that, they're, that they are they've been formed by this system as well a bit have they Tara? They absolutely have and I think I've got exactly the same sentence about this come a change from <laughs> a, that noun verb thing in my book actually that's, well, that's a bit freaky yeah. Um, yeah we're all part of the system aren't we we're all cogs in the wheel of this system um, and, and I think it's time to, to take stock and to stand back and to th- see what our role is and I don't want to blame parents at all I'm a less than perfect parent myself but um I think we have to have to kind of take try and take a meta view. You know, there was data this week in the UK that there were a million children um, who were in need of mental health services in the UK. A million last year. That's mm. just you know, and I know that's similar in Ireland. And I just think, gosh, we have to stand back and think about what's going on here. This isn't all about um, young people not being you know, being snowflakes or anything like that, being less less resilient. This is about something that's structurally going on in society that's, that's really increasing the amount of distress young people are suffering. Okay, so in terms of breaking that cycle then, uh, Kathleen Moran says that uh, you don't understand me, the young woman's guide to life is the book God would write if she was a mother. So uh, as as uh, the woman who wrote the book God would write if she was a mother, can you give me a few key practical things that we all might want to bear in mind in in, in raising kids but raising girls oh so that was so there were so kind words <laughs> that makes me smile still those words um i mean my book is written to young people it's not written to parents um but i think parents might find it useful to read it because it's written, written from a young person's point of view you know from listening to so many young people over the years and I guess my advice for parents is really about trying to keep that relationship going with your kids, trying to keep that sense of connection. You know, um, we get very stuck on these ideas of self-esteem and we think that they're linked to our kids getting qualifications or achievements. But actually, most of our self-esteem comes from the, the, the connections we have in life. Mm. And it's really hard as a parent to keep that sense of connection going with your young person during the teenage years because... They're pulling away and you have mm. to let them pull away, but you have to keep them, um, keep the connection there as well so that they can come to you if they have any problems. Um, and I, I suppose my, my, one of my top bits of advice is that as a parent, what you do when you're listening to your teenager particularly is often you'll be listening really hard for the pause. And when they pause, you want to jump in and tell them what to do. And I have to say that no young person in therapy with me has ever said to me, oh, I wish my mum gave me more advice, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> they just don't say that. They say, I wish she'd really listen or my dad will really listen to me. And really listening and not telling um, your, your teenagers what to do, but really listening and trying to connect with them and get that sense of empathy going 
um, is what we all want when we've got a problem, right? We want we don't want to be told what to do. We want to talk about it and have somebody really listen and try and understand it. Okay, Dr. Tara Porter, thank you very much. We'll take a break. Email brendan at rte.ie. 